BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. After working flat out to rescue victims of those two devastating earthquakes in Turkey and Syria, Burnaby's search and rescue team is back home tonight. Their plane touched down at YVR just a short time ago and our Kamal Kuramali is at the airport where a crowd gathered to welcome them back. Kamal? Well, I'm bringing you a minute-by-minute minute update here. We have literally just heard that they are at the baggage carousel, so waiting for them to come out any minute now. But as you can tell, there are a lot of people waiting for them to come out, a lot of anticipation here. Uh, many of these people are Turkish Canadians. You can see several flags of Turkey, Canadian flags, uh, several signs that say, thank you, Burnaby, uh, urban search and rescue. So a lot of excited people here. And if you can just, uh, uh, if I can get my camera guy, Wayne, to just uh, look down there, that's where we're we're waiting for them to come through those doors so they could come out any minute now. Uh, so we know that they flew out on Tuesday, the day after that 7.8 and 7.5 magnitude earthquakes. They're a 10 member team that were there for uh, about a week, made up mostly of firefighters. Their main job was to work on finding survivors, and we've heard from them that it's been an absolutely exhausting week. Uh, they've been up at all hours of the day and night. We heard from uh, one of them that they did rescue one woman from a pile of rubble not too long ago. Uh, it's the same team that helped in Nepal in 2015 and the Bahamas after Hurricane Dorian in 2019. And uh, uh, so as we're waiting for them, we did have a chance to speak to some of their supporters, many people uh, excited here. One young girl told us she wrote a letter for the 10-member te team. Uh, have a listen to what that letter said. When the only thing I could do for my country was to look at the news and make some donations, you fought for us. We will never forget these days, especially how you helped. I don't know how to express my feelings or how to express my gratitude, but please know that you touched on so many lives and you are known and prayed for by so many of us. May God always bless you and your family. So a lot of eager faces here, as you can see. They've uh, been here for at least a couple of hours or so. People even bringing food here, and uh, also uh, they had given them donations uh, to pass along to the people who need it the most in Turkey. So uh, a lot of excitement here waiting for them. Haven't seen them quite yet, so uh, we'll, uh, if you guys can come back to me later in the show, we'll give you updates then, and hopefully we'll have heard from them uh, by then. Back over to you. We definitely will. Kamal, thanks very much. That's Kamal <laughs> Kuramali at YVR. Well, the TransLink Mayor's Council is making a formal request for the federal government to step up transit funding for Metro Vancouver in a very big way. As Aaron MacArthur reports, the mayors are calling for $250 million in immediate emergency relief funding and a commitment for billions more over the next decade. TransLink still feeling the effects of the pandemic. Ridership and revenue are down. And with fare hikes partially frozen, there is a warning about the potential for service cuts. TransLink's Mayor's Council is pleading with senior levels of government for more money, 250 million more from Ottawa, and a matching contribution from Victoria. Our region is growing faster than ever. And as long as we are stuck in survival mode, 
our transit system will not be able to keep pace with demand and the essential service it provides. Ridership in Metro Vancouver post-pandemic is a success story. Service in the region as a whole has climbed back to 82% of pre-COVID levels, but paying for transit through fare boxes and property taxes is a model that is insufficient to meet the region's needs. We can't keep asking transit users to pay more than their fair share when all the benefit from having a well-functioning transit system that gets cars off the roads and keeps our air clean. TransLink is reliant on the senior levels of government to fund capital projects. The current 10-year plan calling for $20 billion in funding. And for the last three years, TransLink has also needed government support to fund operational costs. More than $800 million has been used to offset revenue shortfalls. According to the provincial transportation minister, the half a billion dollars split between both levels of government should be there by the spring budget. We've always understood that uh, recovering coming out of the pandemic is, is not an overnight thing. Uh, the federal government, to their credit, has, has matched our funding on two occasions. So I think it's a perfectly reasonable ask. Mayors are also asking for an increase to the gas tax and the implementation of a permanent source of funding from Ottawa accelerated to be ready for next year. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Well, the bill for projects in TransLink's 10-year priorities is estimated to be $16 billion. The biggest chunk, $9 billion, would go toward expanding SkyTrain and bus networks. That includes the $3.3 to $3.8 billion for the SkyTrain expansion from Arbutus to UBC and up to $240 million for the Burnaby Mountain Gondola. TransLink says it needs another $7 billion for the creation of as many as 11 new rapid transit corridors. The Park Board has finally made a decision on the Stanley Park bike lane. Last night, the Park Board voted 5-1 to one for an amended version of Option C, which involves returning the area to a pre-COVID traffic configuration with added safety measures, costing an estimated $330,000 to complete. The temporary bike lane will be dismantled with a recommendation to build a permanent bike lane by 2024. According to the Park Board, removal of the temporary bike lane is expected to be complete by the spring. Well, when it comes to consultation for a proposed rezone development in Vancouver, executives at the neighboring Italian Cultural Center say there wasn't any. As Grace Key reports, they're now speaking out against the way it was handled in the name of protecting their community. The Italian Cultural Center in Vancouver is home to two child care facilities, an elementary school and senior center. A social housing unit is now being proposed a block away, and the center is speaking out against it, saying there was a lack of consultation. What we want to do is just make sure that we've had the opportunity to collaborate and we fully understand what's going to be in our neighborhood because we may have to do something to mitigate or, or fix so that we keep our uh, patrons safe. The six-story building will provide permanent and supportive housing to 64 residents who are at risk of or currently experiencing homelessness. Community Builders is the operator. Staff will be on site 24-7. Services include meals, access to medical care, and substance use and mental health services. There's a concern about uh, the mental health issues that will accompany the 64 residents. Those may have drug addiction issues as well. And all we want to do is make sure that 
those who are in the facility are receiving the type of care that they're going to require. A statement from BC Housing reads in part, we reject the insinuation that people experiencing homelessness are dangerous. People become homeless for many different reasons. People who live in supportive homes include seniors, people living with disabilities, and individuals with diverse backgrounds and experiences, adding there has been community engagement with the area since the project was first announced last year. The city-owned property is part of a commitment between the province and federal government to deliver about 350 new supportive homes in Vancouver. It now goes before city council for a public hearing. If rezoning is approved, construction would start mid-year. Grace Key, Global News. A woman who faces charges of manslaughter after allegedly drugging and robbing her victims while working as an escort has been released on bail again after allegedly violating the conditions of her bail last month. Ramina Dea has the details. The accused, Jessica Nicole Renee Kane, has been released again. Provincial Court Judge Sutherland setting the 30-year-old escort free on Monday. Bail set at $50,000. Kane is facing 25 charges dating back to 2021, including manslaughter, administering a stupefying or overpowering drug, extortion, theft and fraud in relation to multiple victims. Surrey RCMP put out a warning last October when Kane was released on bail. She was arrested again in January and charged again with another alleged drugging and robbery in Vancouver. According to court documents, Kane was released on 16 conditions Monday. She is supposed to be living at a high-end building near Beach Avenue in Vancouver under house arrest 24 hours a day with certain court-approved exceptions. She's not supposed to engage in sex trade work. It's unclear who answered when we buzzed the unit. Hello. Miss Kane? No, wrong number. I'm not there anymore. You're not there anymore? No, I, I moved out like two months ago. Uh, I'm confused because according to the bail documents, it says that you're supposed to reside at this address. So the what documents? According to the bail documents from... Bail Van documents. Yeah, from Vancouver Courthouse. Who's supposed to live at this address? Jessica Kane. My name is not Jessica Kane. Okay, that is odd. Um, yeah, you're going to have to get in touch with the superintendent because I just rented there for a month. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, you just, you know what? It's, hello? In a separate matter, Surrey RCMP raided a unit on Davy Street in Vancouver last March. The province's director of civil forfeiture is going after Kane for alleged proceeds of crime. According to court documents, some of the evidence seized includes over $49,000 cash, 80 grams of cocaine, 77 grams of benzos, two unknown white blue pills, eight unknown white pills, high-end clothing, five cell phones, identification in other people's names, and a taser. Kane denies the allegations. She says she is an escort, but the money is from legitimate income. On the criminal matters, Kane is due back in court in Surrey and Vancouver next month. Romina Dea, Global News. The ongoing community concern around public safety, random, unprovoked attacks, many of which are at the hands of repeat offenders, became a hot topic in the legislature today. Keith Baldry has more on the debate on crime and social disorder and possible solutions, uh, if there are any, that uh, those in the legislature have come up with. Keith?
Solutions are proving to be elusive, but one thing that politicians seem to be agreeing on now, stop violent offenders from getting released from custody so early on and be able to re-offend again. That was the topic in question period today, featuring two of the rising stars in the B.C. political scene, Eleanor B.C. Liberal MLA from Surrey South, and our new Attorney General, Nikki Sharma, both talking about this issue. Despite being found guilty of assault just two months prior, Kipson was allowed back into the community where he went on to viciously attack a 74-year-old woman waiting for a bus. The elderly victim was rushed to the hospital while Kipson walked free. When will the Premier end his catch and release system and put the right of victims to feel safe ahead of a, an offender's right to reoffend? This government is taking action to keep our communities safe. We issued a new bail directive for repeat violent offending to, to all Crown prosecutors. We're standing up 20 new dedicated Crown prosecutors as, as part of our repeat offenders action team that will focus specifically on repeat violent offenders. We've seen a 32 increase, 32% increase in Crown Council budgets, um, and that's after the opposition starved it for years. So it was early in the legislature session, Sophie, but already it's clear the Liberals are going to be focusing on, on such issues as health care, mental health, and public safety. And that's a bit going to be a repeat theme. So we'll get used to hearing Eleanor Sturko and Nikki Sharma quite a bit on their feet in question period in the weeks ahead. All right. Thanks for that, Keith. Thousands marched through Vancouver's downtown east side today commemorating the lives of women, girls, two-spirit, and gender-diverse people murdered or missing. As Julie Nolan reports, Indigenous women are more likely to face violence and die by homicide than almost any other group, and the grief is real. A memorial march to honour missing and murdered Indigenous women, many families still searching for their loved ones. Maybe she's even over here, I don't know where she is. It's the 32nd year for the event here on Vancouver's downtown east side. We want to lift all women up and put them in high regard. The grief, the loss and the pain ever present. Shame! Shame on those that won't look after our women. Shame on the government for not implementing any of the calls to action. Coming from all over North America, dozens of family members talked about their desperate search for sisters and daughters. Jennifer was silenced. I speak for her now. It seems like yesterday that she went missing. She was 18 on her 18th birthday. We spoke that day and I never heard from her since. Some never found, while others died under tragic circumstances. Shawnee and Yali, she went missing in 2019. She was found four months later on the banks of the Delta River. And to this day, no one has been charged or no one knows what happened to her. RCMP report more than 1,200 Indigenous women were either missing or found murdered in the last 25 years. But Indigenous women's groups dispute that figure and believe it's well over 4,000. I don't think we can wait any longer for the folks who can create change to come out here and be part of these movements. As families spoke about their tremendous loss, two eagles circled above and the crowd became emotional over their significance. 
But even with some healing taking place, there are increasing demands for more action from all levels of government to put additional resources into helping marginalized women. We put these demonstrations on not just for ourselves, but it, this is for Canada to see. This is for the politicians to be involved. We don't do this just for ourselves. Julie Nolan, Global News. Sharing the gold, a new concept in staging the Olympics. While the IOC is considering a short list of rotating cities to host the Games, and how Vancouver fits into those plans next on the News Hour. On Valentine's Day, how expressing love and devotion is more expensive than ever. Coming up on the News Hour. And. A prolific poet and creator who's just getting started, even after 74 published works. His story still to come tonight. Right now, though, looking back, memories of the 2010 Winter Olympics are bound to inspire some warm and fuzzy feelings for the thousands who experienced the celebration. Now, an idea floating at the highest levels of amateur sport could see Winter Games hosting duties rotate among a handful of locations. And as Richard Zussman reports, Vancouver is on the short list of being considered. It's a roar in the city of Vancouver that if the International Olympic Committee gets its way, could come back again and again and again. They're looking for some confidence that they're going to have cities moving forward. The IOC now considering permanent Winter Olympic host cities, including former hosts like Vancouver, largely due to challenges finding good fits. Around 2050 that a lot of the former host cities uh, will have the climate to host the game. And they're concerned that they're actually going to run out of cities for that reason. The cities would rotate, and they're being considered because venues are already in place. Vancouver Whistler mounted a serious bid for 2030 with support from Indigenous communities and municipalities, but not the province. It's like a kick in the teeth because we've been uh, going through hoops in regards to uh, accommodating the requests for our proposal, and uh, it almost felt like it was a predetermined no. Cost a massive factor as well. 2010 costing more than dollars in games operations, half a billion in technology, and more than 300 million on other things for expenses at nearly $2 billion. But revenues were there to match, with the IOC chipping in more than $650 million, Canadian sponsorship at $730 million, and ticket revenues and others bringing that up another half billion dollars. But this doesn't include any of the high infrastructure costs, and the province is not sold on being part of this rotation. Up until now, we haven't had a conversation with OIC about this. We haven't been invited into a conversation yet. Cautioning the fans in Whistler and Vancouver before they start waving their red middens, someone will have to produce a lot of green. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Now, hosting the Winter Olympics is not cheap. Over the past five Winter Games, the costs have ballooned from $2.9 billion in Salt Lake City in 2002 to $8.9 billion in 2010 to a staggering 50 or is that $60 billion in Sochi in 2014, with Pyeongchang spending more than $15 billion to host in 2018. The cost of the 2022 Games in Beijing was officially $3.9 billion, although independent investigations say the final tally could be 10 times that amount. Lots of money, no doubt about it. Coming up, speaking of money, scammers are spoiling ski vacations.
That family shows up at our ticket office and they're really upset that their tickets don't work. The fraud warning from Big White and how to avoid being a victim. And the electronic device doctors say every home should have. Super busy for eastbound traffic here tonight along Highway 1 at the Cassiar Tunnel. There's a stall inside the tunnel at about mid-span. As a result, traffic is backed right over the Iron Workers Memorial Bridge on the approach. Through a charitable partnership between Kermac Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermac Collision and Autoglass, you also support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Center. I'm Trish Jewison in Global 1, Highway 1, and the Cassiar Tunnel. Well, Family Day weekend is just around the corner and it's set to be a busy one filled with tourists ready to hit the slopes. But some, it turns out, are being scammed. As Randy Marie Adams reports, local ski hills are warning guests they should never buy ski passes from third-party sellers. As the Family Day long weekend approaches, Big White Ski Resort is gearing up for what it calls one of the busiest weekends of the season. However, according to the resort's senior vice president, there has been an uptick in a very specific kind of scam. Ever since we went online with a, a total online ticketing system uh, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, we noticed that there was a lot more people committing ticket fraud. Ballingall says they saw close to $50,000 in fraudulent tickets last year alone. These are tickets bought with stolen credit cards and resold via social media or through third-party sales. The resort will then be notified before the guests even arrive on the mountain. Turn the ticket off and that family shows up at our ticket office and they're really upset that their tickets don't work because they purchased it from what they thought was an online seller and they have to buy new tickets and the new tickets are at full retail price. Big White Sales Director Andrew Daly says it's best to just go right to the source. Yeah, I think one of the most important thing is like any event or any resort, uh, you always want to ensure that you're buying tickets through the proper channels. To buy a real ticket is from the online store of every resort in, in British Columbia. And uh, that way you'll know that you're buying from the source. If you do happen to buy your tickets from a third party and it ends up being a fake ticket, the resort won't and is not obligated to replace those tickets. There are various different deals. However, you can only get those deals on the Ski Hills website and not through third party retailers. Randy Marie Adams, Global News, Kelowna. On Valentine's Day, the power of love and what we're willing to spend to show it coming up on the News Hour. Plus, let's go, Warriors! Youth movement, what the all-native basketball tournament means to these young players. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide 
at bp.com slash investing in America. Good evening. Still dealing with some leftover volume here westbound along Highway 1 uh, from Brunette on the approach to Gillardy after clearing an earlier six-vehicle crash just west of Gillardy. The mega-huge awesome event is on at London Drugs. Stretch your budget a little further on so many mega-awesome things. Shop in-store and online February 13th to 26th. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above Highway 1 in Coquitlam. Players at the All-Native Basketball Tournament are not just representing their communities on the court, they're also doing the work on the sidelines. Hundreds flock to the event in Prince Rupert every year, and as Imadagahi reports, there's a long lineage of basketball stars keeping the tradition alive. a couple hundred people in the crowd screaming and the electricity when you walk in there. Let's go Warriors! For youth to get a taste of that, you know, and aspire to be a great, it's, it's a big deal. This game was won in double overtime and despite the dogged competition between the whistles, at the end both teams get together at center court. The level of respect towards each other and the game just as important as winning to young players at the All-Native Basketball Tournament. Really exciting. We love the game so much. It's very uplifting. Like, you're playing for your hometown. You just want to go for your team. Madison and her team from the Lower Samilkameen Indian Band have traveled to Prince Rupert from the BC interior. To us in our community when we come up because we're representing not just an abstract idea or a school it's it's our it's our family good job Trey good job decades ago her relatives also go, competed in this tournament under the Starbirds logo there you go good job Caleb a proud legacy now passed down to her generation we want to show that smoking and Silk people are still around because a lot of the times you go to tournaments there's a lot of northerns coastals and you never see interior Players like Desi Collinson, who have become a familiar name at this event through years of success, now take the responsibility to bring up a wave of younger community members. He's flashing, and when the, that double happens, yeah. let's get him a couple. A sense of pride, right, is, is, is instilled within this tournament, and everybody wants to represent their community in the right way, and everybody wants to represent their community in a good way. Collinson, still a prominent player on his team, is also coaching the junior Skittigit side. Nice and hard, move your feet. Both teams among the favorites to take championships back home to Haida Gwaii. Imadagahi, Global News. Well, Vancouver Coastal Health is warning the public about the dangers of carbon monoxide poisoning as more cases are typically reported in the winter. Between 2018 and 2022, an average of 55 people a year visited emergency rooms in Vancouver Coastal due to CO poisoning. It's produced by burning gas, wood, propane, and other fossil fuels. Carbon monoxide is also colorless and odorless, making it a real risk for prolonged exposure. Dr. Bruce Campana is urging everyone to make sure they have a carbon monoxide detector in their home. Don't put it off. Get that carbon monoxide detector now. Think about if you're not there, your kids are there. Think about protecting your family. Costs you $20 best investment you'll ever make. 
Those who have been exposed can be treated in VGH's hyperbaric chamber with 100% oxygen at high pressure. That reduces damage to patients' brains and other organs after exposure. Coming up, you'll meet BC's most passionate poet. Welcome to the shack. Where he finds the inspiration for a seemingly infinite supply of stories. And we'll check in at YVR where Burnaby's urban search and rescue team is receiving a hero's welcome just back from the earthquake zone. Well, we want to return to our top story for a moment and that warm welcome at YVR tonight for a team of exhausted BC search and rescue experts. They have returned home after working tirelessly to help find victims of the devastating earthquakes in Turkey and Syria. Kamal Karamali is live at YVR with more on the team's success. Have they made it out of baggage claim yet, Kamal? Absolutely, and uh, the term warm welcome is an understatement, guys. It was just a flurry of activity, chants, uh, handshakes. I can't tell you the number of people that were crying and uh, just uh, expressing their gratitude to the Burnaby Urban Search and Rescue workers after they've returned from such a harrowing ordeal in Turkey. So those are the 10 members of the Burnaby Urban Search and Rescue Team returning home uh, from their rescue efforts in Turkey after those devastating 7.8 and 7.5 magnitude earthquakes. The team made up of mostly firefighters. They had the very daunting task of working to find survivors. They called the uh, work exhausting, saying that they're excited to see their family members. Uh, and they referenced one person, one woman that they rescued from the rubble. We heard about about this story earlier this week or uh, late last week where they rescued one woman from a pile of rubble uh, in Turkey. It, it was a six hour uh, ordeal, but they finally were able to get her out. And they said that that was uh, the most rewarding experience out of everything. But they said, uh, you know, it was definitely a lot of devastation. Um, they sounded exhausted uh, in our interview, spoke uh, in, in a very low tone. You could see they'd been crying. Um, have a listen to a little bit of what they had to say just moments ago. Hop, hop, hooray! Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It goes down. It goes down in the field. 
21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Um, it was, obviously, there's a, a bunch of people here from Turkey. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we have a lot of sympathy for the people we saw there and what, for what's going on. This is such a humbling experience to be um, going to another country and offering our assistance and then to see the outpouring. It's, uh, it's, it's really humbling for us and our mission from when we hit the ground was focused on um, looking for Bible victims and, and helping families reunite. So it was, uh, it's nice to, to see that they, um, they're happy to see that. So what you're seeing here are still a lot of members of Vancouver and BC's Turkish Canadian uh, community here. They've come out in large numbers, as you can tell. There was a lot of hugging, crying, uh, a, a lot of gratitude being passed along to this, this search and rescue team. Uh, now they're just talking amongst themselves, uh, checking in on each other. How's your family doing? How's everyone back home? So uh, still uh, quite a, a heavy aura here, but uh, a lot of gratitude towards these firefighters. Back over to you. A lot of emotion there. All right, thanks for that, Kamal, Kamal Kamrali at YBR Forest tonight. No doubt. Glad they're back safe. All right, we can check in now on the weather. Christy's keeping an eye on things. Lots of sunshine out there today, Christy. Perfect timing for Valentine's Day. Anyone wanting to take a walk with their Valentines were able to do that. And that was the case right across the province, but it was cold in through the north. These were our daytime highs. That Arctic air certainly shifting into the northern and central parts of the province. Not too bad across the south, but we're going to see a further drop in temperature in the southern interior tomorrow. So highs will reach only two degrees, for example. That ridge of high pressure slumping to the south as the next system drives onto the north coast. It's not until Thursday that that system moves into the south coast region. Region. So tomorrow we're going to see a dry day, although we'll see a, a little bit of cloud cover. But late in the day on Thursday, we'll be back into periods of rain. There is a winter storm warning for the Kitimat Stewart area where we're expecting about 25 centimeters of snow. This is into tomorrow uh, and then in uh, sorry, tomorrow into Thursday uh, that you'll see that as that next system drives on shore. And during the daytime hours in the afternoon, you'll see a transition to a wet snow. So there's your forecast. It is uh, fairly mild across the uh, coastal regions, but inland. And that's where we're seeing the much cooler conditions and that's the same case for the interior. So Vancouver will see a high of about six degrees which is similar to what we saw today but we're not going to see as much sun so it won't probably feel quite as warm. We'll see fog in the morning, cloud cover through much of the day, still some sunshine in the mix. The next bout of rain set to push in late in the day Thursday and it looks like we're going to be unsettled through the weekend. Tonight's central windows weather window coming to you from Richmond BC. Syl Sylvester Law sharing this with us of course uh, is symbolic of the Valentines and I have one more Valentines photo to share with you and that's from Burnaby. Mark Angelo sharing this also wanting to highlight the heart as you can see there in the reflection. Okay you two back to you. All right thanks Christy. Well inflation is hitting everyone and increasing the cost of pretty much everything right now including your expressions of affection. So on a day dedicated to celebrating your special someone we were interested to find out is inflation putting a limit on love? On a day dedicated to love, it's hard to go wrong with chocolates. To be able to see the smile on her face and to be able to do the small things for her, I mean, that's, that's honestly what I love. It's a love that business owners weren't sure was going to be expressed in the same way this year due to inflation. We're definitely feeling that the love is still there, regardless of inflation, recession, um, that people are still buying. 
and they're buying the same amount as they did in years past. But this year, businesses are seeing a trend towards in-person shopping due to the increased shipping costs. A report from Time to Play asked Canadians what they think of the holiday. Although 70% of them don't think it's real, it's not stopping them from still spending. People in B.C. are expected to spend the most on average at nearly $130. Alberta comes in second and Saskatchewan is in the middle. People in eastern Canada have the lowest budget for the holiday and are planning on spending $55. And even those not in love are still willing to splurge on some non-traditional Valentine's treats. This is our mealworm Adam, and there he is. Really, what better way to let go of an ex than to feed them to a meerkat? The Edmonton Zoo offered people a chance to name mealworms after their exes. And in a surprise to no one, more than 60 people jumped at the chance. It's fun for the meerkats, it's fun for everybody involved, and all the money goes to a great cause. So we are thrilled that people got involved, and we hope that it has uh, maybe provided people with a little bit of closure. And out of the available tiers, most people opted for the most expensive, proving you can't put a price on closure. And love will always find a way to make you pay. Sarah Reed, Global News. I've known some mealworms in my life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Think of those meerkats chomping down on them. Yeah, I do. <laughs> All right, here is Squire now with a look ahead to sports. All right, so that 6-1 uh, loss last night by Vancouver to Detroit showed Rick Tockett he'll need to be Master Yoda to teach the Canucks defensive structure. You know, we're going to have to keep uh, stripping this down until we get it right. The only good thing, every loss improves their chances at Connor Bedard, but Tockett wants to see at least some signs of improvement. Stop goals, you must. Also tonight, 74 books and counting. And I started to write with rhythm and fool. The eclectic collection and gigantic dog that inspires David Bouchard to keep creating. Chris said it didn't go so good last night, Squire. No, it's been like that pretty much all year. Mm -hmm. And today, Rick Tockett had another one of those practices where he was teaching the Canucks how to play better defensive hockey, which is what Travis Green tried to do and failed. Bruce Boudreau tried, and I think he just gave up and let Vancouver play loose and try to outscore their bad defending. But trying to teach this group of Canucks how to play structured defense is kind of like trying to teach Penguins how to fly. Yes, they're birds, but they can't do it. It's going to take Tockett's bosses, Rutherford and Alvine, to get him players who can play a structured game because last night Tockett's structure collapsed on top of him in that loss to Detroit. We just weren't gritty enough, you know, the wall work, the value of the little things. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to keep uh, stripping this down until we get it right. We're going to have to go back to grade school on how to defend, how to stop and start because uh, too many guys are spinning. Um, very high risk team. You know, I thought we in the road trip we thought some parts of our game. I thought we got it, but then uh, you know we get this high risk, and um, you know some of the better players tonight, you know, they're just too risky for me. Now, while the Vancouver Canucks hate the word rebuild, Rick Campbell and the BC Lions have to embrace it. But in football, you can rebuild much faster. BC lost a lot of big parts of their offense. Nathan Rourke, James Butler. Brian Burnham retired. 
Today was the start of free agency in the CFL. The Lions signed former Montreal quarterback Dominique Davis as a backup possibility, but that's not all. The offensive line is getting overhauled. They signed offensive lineman Chris Schluger, who played in Montreal, and they signed Michael Couture, who won a couple of Grey Cups blocking for Winnipeg, but he's coming home to play for the Lions, to play for the team he watched and worshipped growing up in the Lower Mainland. As a childhood dream, it's, you know, I grew up as a, as a season ticket holder to the Lions. So since I was a, a little kid, it was always a dream to play for this team. Um, you know, and to be wanted by this club at this point in my career was, was really important. And just it kind of all felt together just kind of perfectly for me here. It truly is a homecoming for 29-year-old Michael Couture. This is the veteran offensive lineman when he was a youngster, sporting a Lions t-shirt, posing beside the Grey Cup with his late father, Dan. Years later, Michael would hold that trophy as a two-time Grey Cup champion with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But the Burnaby native is back home, and he's going to try to win another cup, this time for his hometown Lions. I used to be that kid that would run down at the end of the games and, and try and slap hands with the players. And... Uh... Now to have those roles kind of reversed and be in the same stadium that I was a little kid at uh, is, is really a dream. So I'm pretty excited about it. I love building uh, within this organization, having local guys, meaning guys, West Coast guys, Seattle, you know, California, and especially guys that play in the lower mainland. And uh, just what a great addition to the football team, um, you know, not only his position, but uh, just everything else that comes with it. Now, if you don't believe in fate, read the fine print of this elementary school career project that Michael wrote back in grade four. It clearly outlines him wanting to be a football player, a well-paid one at that. Currently, the going rate for a Canadian offensive lineman is upwards of $200,000 a season, so Michael was onto something. But wait, there's more to those childhood dreams. How's this for the ultimate visualization? It's another childhood drawing of Michael inside BC Place, suiting up for his hometown Lions. Honestly, does it get any better than this? I mean, I have goosebumps just thinking about it. Um... You know, going there, I grew up, I, I played GSL in, in North Van for my peewee football. Then I went to Coquitlam Minor uh, for, for years after that. And so I've grown up, you know, BC football is is what I am. So uh, to be able to run out as a BC Lion is, I mean, it sounds cliche, but a dream come true is literally what it is. So it'll be cool to look up and see the section that I used to sit in. And now seeing it from the different angle, you know, in the middle of the field, it'll be cool. Good for him. Tiger Woods is playing this week's Genesis Invitational in L.A. Of course, the question is, will his leg and ankle be able to hold up, be able to deal with the wear and tear of walking the golf course for hopefully four straight days? You can still hit shots, uh, but it's the walking endurance. It's, it's hard. Um, that's something that we've had to work on and you know, walk on distances, the beach, and just basically stress, stress it out but also be able to recover by the next day and see how it is inflammation-wise and then keep practicing. And uh, I'm excited to go out there and compete and play with these guys. And I would not have put myself out here if I didn't think I could beat these guys and, and win the event. Um, that's my mentality. And if I wasn't ready to win at this level, you know, I am very rusty. Um, but I've come off rusty situations before and I've done well. Champions League round of 16, Lionel Messi and PSG against Alfonso Davies and Byron Munich. And it's Davies who sets up the only goal that counted, almost disallowed for PSG. Kingsley Coleman, right there. Take another couple of looks. Great pass from Davies. That one probably should have been stopped, but it counts. 
and one nothing is the final in the first leg of two between these two powerhouses. And there you go. Is he going to ask Messi for his jersey, though? That's what I want. Is Messi going to ask him for his jersey? Good point, there Squire. Just ahead, the man who just might be BC's most prolific poet and how dyslexia helped drive him to his chosen craft. This is BC with Jay Durant is brought to you by JM Media. Visit jmmedia.ca. Jordan Armstrong is standing by now with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11. Jordan? Chris, paramedics have voted 96% in favor of ratifying a deal with the province. It's a three-year agreement and we'll have details tonight. Plus, a prime piece of farmland in South Surrey could be saved. The land at 36th Avenue and 192nd Street is owned by the federal government, but there's been talk of selling it for industrial development. At 11, what Surrey Council's done to protect it. And, of course, we will have a full wrap-up of the Heroes Homecoming at YVR. Kamal Karamali will have an update at 11. Chris? Sounds good. Thanks, Jordan. Well, David Bouchard is a prolific Indigenous poet and author who has struggled with dyslexia his entire life. The Order of Canada recipient has more releases coming this year. And as Jay Durant tells us on This is BC, despite his early struggles, he's become an advocate for literacy. Welcome to the shack. It's a collection decades in the making. All recycled. Everything recycled. David Bouchard has gathered some interesting artifacts from around Canada and parts of the world. My first tour to India, I brought this chess set back. And this, this beadwork was a gift from Alberta. This is the room where he draws his inspiration, where new ideas form for future books for the Métis author and poet. Dean Briere's secret fish recipe. To date, Bouchard has 74 published works. And P.S. if you give this recipe out... Words on pages committed to memory that he shares with students during visits to classrooms. By the shores of Gitche by the shiny B.C. waters, to the wigwam of Nokomis, daughter of the moon Nokomis. I mean, if I were younger, I'd rap. He's been an advocate for children's literacy. She's the tree in the forest, the meadow before it. She's where we are from. We're all from her. Every child should be able to enjoy school. Every kid should be able to enjoy school. And it's amazing how many kids don't because their forte is not reading. And schools are all about reading. Bouchard has struggled with dyslexia his entire life and chose poetry because the flow comes naturally. It's easier to read generally when you find rhythm and, rhythm and rhyme. You know. In 2018, he was named to the Order of Canada. There's a school in Ontario named after him. But in Victoria, he's known more for his 234-pound Irish wolfhound Hagrid, who is very popular in the neighbourhood. I was in Thunder Bay sitting at a holiday and having breakfast, and the waitress said, Are you from Victoria? Yes, I am. Do you have a dog called Hagrid? They know me through my dog. Anybody who's been to Tofino will say... Books number 75, 76, and 77 are due for release this year, and there will be more to come. 100 is well within reach, which means David Bouchard will be spending a lot more time in his shack. I wake up at 4 in the morning, and I can write books about places I've never been, people I've never met, and stories keep coming my way. They just... Jay Durant, Global News. And he's a good musician, too. Mm -hmm. If you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC, email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca.
He does get a ton of ideas floated his way, so keep that in mind if yours doesn't happen to show up right away. Okay, last word on weather before we go here. Christy? Cold ones again tonight, so we'll drop down to minus one. Expect a bit of frost on your car tomorrow morning. During the day, we'll see some cloud cover in the mix, but it should be dry throughout the day with a high of six degrees. At this point, it's not until afternoon hours on Thursday that we're expecting periods of rain. All right. Not quite as nice as today, though. On Valentine's Day, I don't mind saying it. I love you guys. I really uh, do. We love, love you too, Chris. Yeah, we love you too. <laughs> oh, big, giant family hug. Come on. Thanks. Thanks for watching, everyone. Good night. Good night, all.